0: Welcome to the LifePoint Church Podcast. So we are in the middle of the longest series I may have ever done. Um, this is week number six. And so we've been learning that all the way back in the book of Exodus. God looked at his people who were in bondage and slavery for, for nearly 500 years. And he miraculously and dramatically led them out of Egypt. And he was leading them into the promised land. And how many know that was their destination? Now, they got stuck for a while, but their destination was a new land. See, they were slaves. They didn't have land. They had nothing of their own to possess, and God led them out, and he was leading them into the promised land, but in between, they went into the wilderness. Have you ever been in the wilderness? Well, I just want you to know, if if it feels like you're in the wilderness, God always sent you into the wilderness to go through the wilderness, not to live in the wilderness. Don't get comfortable there, but there's a lot of things that happen in the wilderness that God does before we come out the other side. Anyways, so um, they're in the wilderness, and they're in Sinai, and they come to Mount Sinai, and while they're at Mount Sinai, um, God dramatically calls Moses, their leader, to the top of Mount Sinai, and while he's up there for 40 days, he gives them uh, what we know as the Ten Commandments. Um, they're not the Ten Suggestions, they're the Ten commandments. And God gave them to them as they're going into the promise. And they're heading into a land, even though it was promised, it was inhabited by a lot of evil. It was inhabited by a lot of idols. It was inhabited by giants, all these, uh, these uh, opposing things. But God promised them the land. But he said, when you go in and possess this land, uh, I have some commands for you to live by. Now, these things did not deliver them, but the Bible says that God was giving them so it would prove to them how they could live above sin, how they could continue to live a blessed life. And so we're calling this the list because this is the original top 10 list um, all the way back in the beginning of the Bible. And so, as I mentioned, we are on week number six, so let's read the sixth commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Um, It's real simple and it's real, real short. You shall not... You shall not. You should. You shall not murder. Now, um, I think that brings up a lot of questions because most of us sitting here probably would not murder. Um, but, but questions come up about, well, I'm in the military. I had specific assignments. Uh, I'm a police officer. Uh, so let me tell you what it does. Let me tell you what it does mean and what it doesn't mean. It means this simply that um, you shall not murder. You shall not have premeditated murder. It means that you shall not take a life you do not have the authority to take. So if you are a law enforcement um, officer or if you are a policeman, this is not what this is talking about. If you are in the military in battle, this is not what this is talking about. This is not talking about capital punishment. That's in the Bible. This is not talking about you being able to defend yourself, but it is talking about you premeditating and taking a life. And I'm going to prove that to you today. Even in the Bible, they had what they called in the Old Testament, refuge cities. If you accidentally killed somebody, you could go to this place of refuge and stay there until your trial happened. And so um, we have to understand exactly what this scripture um, means. And so that when it says thou shall not murder, it means we shall not in a premeditated way, take the life of somebody. So let me, let me just start here with the first point. And here's my first point if, if you're following along and if you are taking notes. Um, hurt fuels hate and hate murders. Hurt fuels hate and hate murders. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. Whoever hates his brother is a... Murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in them. The word hate here means to, de- to detest somebody. So we could read it this way Whoever detests his brother actually is a murderer. And you know that if you're a murderer, detesting, really there is the lack of abiding life in you. So how, how does that happen? Because if hate leads to murder, what fuels hate? It hurts. And here, here's how this cycle happens. Something hurts you. Someone hurts you. It could be intentional. It, it could be unintentional. But something happens in our lives, and we get hurt by it. And we get disappointed. And um, I'm going to throw out a word that we preached on before, but we get offended. Everyone say offended. And here's what happens when I say the word offended. We immediately think this. I don't get offended. They do, I don't. That's just what we start thinking. But the Bible talks a lot about offense. And just let me say to you, I, I was thinking about this this morning. So, my goodness, next, next year will be 30 years me and Diane have been doing ministry. Now, I started in my early elementary age. But it um, <laughs> be 30 years. And obviously you see a lot of good stuff in 30 years. And you see some, some junk, too. And something I've noticed over the years that's very disappointing is just the spirit of offense that happens in the church world. It just happens in the church. And I was thinking about this, you know, um, family's family, right? And there's a lot of crazy in your family. And I always say, if you can't identify the crazy in your family, it's you, right? But things happen in family, and unless it's extremely abusive, we'll, we'll always still love family because they're what? Family. We have to work through some stuff, but we don't do that sometimes in the body of Christ and we're family. But so we get hurt by something and we get, um, offended. Matthew says in the last days, people are going to get offended and they're going to hate one another. I have never seen such a oversensitive, um, entitled, easily offended culture that we live in right now. Um. Those of you who are a little more up in age, I'm sure you look at this like, there's a bunch of wimps on the earth right now. And everybody is so easily offended. Now, let me say this about offense. When you study the word offense in the Bible, um, it's a Greek word that I can't pronounce right. I I would pronounce it with a West Virginia accent as this, the scandalon. It's where we get the word scandal from or scandalia is is maybe how it's um, uh, worded. But it means if there is a trap and you're trying to trap an animal, there's the little post that holds the trap up. And when the animal takes the bait, it falls in and traps the animal. That's the scandal, that's the the word for offense. And something happens in our lives and we get offended. Sometimes it's uh, with our spouse, sometimes it's with a neighbor, sometimes it's um, at the office, sometimes it's in the church. And we get offended. And The best way to give you the word for um, offense is it's a trap. The enemy has set a trap and we take the bait and we get offended because we get hurt. Now, sometimes that hurt is a little bit worthless to be offended about. And sometimes it's real. And sometimes it's damaging. And sometimes it's life altering. But we get offended. And so you just don't wake up and hate one day. It starts with something that hurt you. And it could have been 40 years ago. It could have been 20 years ago. It could have been 10 minutes ago. But we get offended. And the devil specializes in offense. And he's kept people in offense their entire lives. That's why counseling is a big business. Now, uh, the book of Psalms says this. This 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 is how we avoid offense. It said we have to love the law or the word so much that we stay out of offense and we stay in peace. So how do you stay from offense? You just love the word of God so much because when you understand what the word of God says about offense and hate and what I'm gonna talk about today, we just need to love the word more. I love the word more than I do being offended. I just love the word so much. I'm not, I'm gonna, you're gonna have opportunity. You will have opportunity to be offended at something I say today. You'll have opportunity to be offended walking out this building. You will have opportunity to be offended when you go eat today. You will have opportunity you, opportunity for offense is everywhere. How, how do you avoid it? Because people are crazy. I mean, let's just face it. People. I mean, you. I just got to tell you where I live. Sometimes um, you cannot go through the drive-through without an opportunity for offense. I mean, it's not that hard to get the order right. I said one donut, okay, maybe two, and a coffee. But it happens, little stuff and, and big stuff. And that's the only way we're gonna avoid offense. I love the word of God so much that I know that if I follow the word, I stay in peace. And losing my peace is not worth me being an offense over you. Your ridiculousness is not gonna keep me in offense. What you spoke over me is not going to keep me in offense because the word speaks something else. See, if I'm holding on to what dad spoke over me, not my dad, but a father figure, or someone spoke over you 34 years ago, if you're going to hold on to that, you're never going to be hold on to what Jesus said about you. If they said you weren't ever good enough, you're not going to be able to believe what Jesus said. You're more than good enough. Come on. If someone spoke something over you that damaged you, if you're going to hold on to that offense, you'll never be able to receive what Jesus said about you which is you're a victor, you're an overcomer. But this is what happens to us. And if we get stuck in this trap, hurt becomes offense, and and the offense turns into this anger. Now, Jesus said something about anger. He said, in your anger, don't sin. So it's it's not necessary that the anger about an injustice is wrong. It's this unresolved carryover anger. Yesterday's anger comes into today. That's when anger's a problem. But we become angry. Everyone say, Angry. If you go all the way back to the, to the book of Genesis and we look at the life of Joseph, uh, the, the Bible said this, Joseph's brothers thought that his father loved him more and they grew angry and they plotted to what? Kill him. Now, you may have wanted to kill your brother or sister before, but they were really plotting his death. Because why? They were angry. They were offended because they thought that their father loved him more. And then anger boils over. This is the anger that's wrong. It boils Over and becomes hate. Everyone say hate. Um, So, hate is what murders. It can be in our thoughts, it can be in our words, it can be in our actions. I mean, all the way back at the early part of Genesis, the Bible says this that um, Cain murdered Abel. Why did Cain murder Abel? Because Cain brought God an offering, but Abel brought a first fruits offering. And he got angry about it because the Bible says God loved his offering more. And the Bible said he got angry, and it boiled over, and the first murder happened. So there's this cycle of being hurt, being offended, anger happening. It can turn into murder. And, and to be honest with you, there can be a spirit of offense. There can be a spirit of hatred. There can be a spirit of murder. Now, let me just say this to you. I don't think anyone in this room would murder in cold blood. Obviously, we hear the word murder. We we think of TV shows. We think of things we've seen. We think of things that are on the news. Someone finally hits the tipping point, and, and, and they take a weapon. But do you know that we can murder with our thoughts? And we can murder with our words. So you may never, ever physically pull out a weapon and premeditate the murder of somebody, but we'll do it with our thoughts, and we'll do it with our words. And it can just be a spirit that, it can linger in your life, it can linger in your family line. I mean, we would be a little bit familiar around here with a story of two families on the border of West Virginia and Kentucky. Everyone knows the Hatfields and the McCoys. Unfortunately, everyone thinks that's what all West Virginians are like, but a few that went on for almost a century. They're not sure exactly what started. I read a lot of stuff on it this week because I was thinking about that. But they say that estimate anywhere between 20 to 100 people between those two families lost their life, probably over the fact that someone took someone's pig. I mean, there are some other theories. There was uh, um, someone, uh, 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 the, the McCoy girl, got pregnant by a Hatfield. Um, boy, um, there's the theory of uh, had something to do with the Confederate Army. There was one uh, son that was beat up and then a murder. So all these things, but it was an escalation of these things that happened over all of this time, this feud that goes on. And, and you and I, like I said, may never physically pull out a weapon and take someone's life, but man, we do it with our words and our thoughts and our conversations. But here's where it all happens. It hurts with a seed of hurt, and that hurt turns into hate, and that hate becomes What? becomes murder. So I said this uh, a couple weeks ago, there are 10 commandments and I believe that you and I have broke every one of them. We have. And God gave them to Israel. Now here's the thing about the 10 commandments. These are not a one and done. Uh, It's not like, okay, I honor well. I honored somebody this week. I did so awesome at it. Um, You're going to have to keep living by these. I didn't murder that person today at the drive through but there will always be next week. <laughs> um, I put God above everything this week, but you're going to have to keep doing it next week. So these are perpetual. They're ongoing. And, and we don't come under God's grace or we don't come under God's approval because we perfectly keep these. That's what the love of God is for. That's what the grace of God is for, the goodness of God, that in spite of us. But God gave these, and he said, these are principles that you got to keep alive in your culture that will keep you from falling into these sins. And so one of these is God wants us to know we got to watch this offense thing. And so um, Romans says this, chapter 13. 13, oh, O no one anything except that you would love each other. For he who loves another actually fulfills the commandments. Look what it says. For the commandments, and he starts listing some of them. Um, Don't commit adultery, uh, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet. And if there's any other type of commandment, we can sum them all up in this one saying. Love your neighbor like you do yourself. Because love doesn't harm a neighbor, therefore love actually fulfills all of the law. So what is the opposite of hate? It's love, so I've said that these ten commandments have a face value: don't murder. But there's this underlying principle under each one of these principles, and so the principle is face value: don't murder. But there's an underlying principle, and it's love. So here's my, my title, and I'll give you the next two points. It's just the strength of love. God is sending His people into a a new land that He's giving them, and He's giving them these laws because what they saw in Egypt was the opposite of these ten commandments. And God says, when you go in. Don't murder, but what he was really saying was you gotta walk in love. Why would he say walk in love? Because the Bible clearly says God is love. So if this hurt fuels hatred, hatred murders. Here's my second point love fuels hope, and hope heals. It's love that fuels hope. Hurt's going to fuel what? The hatred. And it always leads to murder. Whether murder's a, with a weapon or it's with a word or it's with a thought or it's with a feeling, it leads to murder. But this love thing is what's going to birth hope. And the Bible says this about hope in Hebrews. It says the hope of God is like an anchor and it's anchored down deep in the presence of God. you got to have something that keeps you anchored in this world because there's going to be chance for offense, chance for hurt feelings, chance for traps in your life. And we have to be anchored where? Down in the presence of God. That's love. And it, what it does is it fuels this thing called hope, and everybody needs some hope. If you're without hope, you're, your life's probably at, w- w- without purpose and without the opportunity to advance. But as long as we have hope in any situation, I mean, there, there's an ounce of we can, we will, it's going to change. Hope's a big thing. And what does hope do? Hope actually brings healing. If you are, in a, and let's take marriage. If there's been a situation in your marriage, but if there's a little bit of hope, it's worth hanging on to. In your finances, if there's a little bit of hope, just you got something to hang on to. If there's a, there's a, there's a, that's what the word of God gives us, hope. A doctor can give you, give you a report, but thank God we have God's report because you have hope. You, you can read Wall, Wall Street's report, but as long as you've got the word of God, you've got some hope. If you're looking at that spouse who just can't get it together and that you're looking at the word, you got some hope. If you're looking at yourself and you just know your track record and you know you, and you but you know the word and you know the grace of God and the goodness of God, you got some what? Some hope. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 3. let Y'all doing all right? Yes. It says this, I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He's the perfect father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray, this is Paul praying for us, and he says this, and I pray that God would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and the unlimited riches of his favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. I'm going to read that again. That sounds like a tongue twister, but this is Paul. Paul's praying, and Paul said this, I pray that God would unveil within you the unlimited riches of glo- his glory and his favor until it wells up in a supernatural strength and it floods your innermost being with divine might and explosive power. That's where I got the title, the strength of love. Now, let's read on, verse 17. Then by constantly using your the life of Christ will be released so deep inside you, it'll be the resting place where his love will become the very source, and it will become the root of your life. You know, there's a lot of stuff in our life that has roots. Yeah. Hurt, abuse, negativity, but what if love got rooted in us? Yeah. So what's the root problem in your life? Love. It'll change everything. Give you, it will give you some hope. Then, I like this, verse 18, then, this is the result, then you will be empowered to discover what every holy person experiences, the great magnitude and the astonishing love of Jesus and all of its dimensions. And look what it says, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless beyond measurement, it transcends our understanding, this extravagant love pours into you until you're filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Another translation says that we would come to understand, which means experience, which means not in theory, but actually in experience, how deep the love of God is, how wide the love of God is, how high the love of God is, how deep it goes, how wide it goes, how high it goes, how long it goes. You can't outrun it, is the the picture. The love of God. Now, the Bible has some, the New Testament has some different words for the word love, some Greek words. There's the word storge, which means family love. There's the word philia, which means a friendship. There's the word eros, which is, means erotic or self-gratifying. But then there's this word agape, which means the God kind of love that doesn't have conditions. It doesn't have limits. It's not ending. It's not restrained. He initiates it. It's actually the God kind of love. It's the agape love of God, which does not depend on us, but it depends on the goodness of God himself. That's what gives us hope. That's what gives you hope. That's what gives me hope. And God said, I want you to comprehend this type of love. And the only way you can comprehend this type of love is when you need it, you receive it. I can stand up here and try to explain it. I can try to forecast it. I can give you the theories. I can give you the Greek interpretations. But all it really means to you and I is when you need it, it changes everything. When you didn't deserve it, you got it. When you didn't earn it, you received it. When you didn't merit it, you got it. You couldn't comprehend it. You couldn't explain it. You just know it. Now, I don't want it to sound just like theory because... There's a visual of it, it's Jesus on the cross. There's a vision of it, it's Jesus coming out of the grave. There's a vision of it, it's Jesus saving your life, redeeming your life. So the Bible says we need to be rooted in that type of love. I love this, the Bible says it results in the fullness of God. What's the key to all God is? Love. And it says if you come to start experiencing this love, it'll make God, you'll understand, it's the key to understanding the fullness of God in you. So here's how this works. God so loved, fill in the blank, your name. Let's make it personal. God so loved Aaron that he gave his son. Because Aaron didn't deserve it, but he needed it. And when he received it, this is what God did. He took all of Aaron's sin and he forgave it, and he actually removed it from Aaron as far as the east is from the west, and he put it in what we would call a lake of forgetfulness. Here's all that means. It's not connected to you anymore. He took all of the stain of your life, the red stain of your life, and made it like white as snow. He forgave you. He justified you, which means just like you never sinned before, and then he said, I'm going to impute my goodness and my perfectness and my righteousness into your life. Now I call you righteous. So he forgave you, wiped the slate clean, put his righteousness in you. Any sin, yesterday, today, or tomorrow, he's forg- And not only did he remove the, the sin, he removed the shame with it. That's love. That's why you have hope. I mean, this room ought to sound like some people who have some hope. Because if... if it." it if you stop breathing today and you stood before God, you have hope. Why? Because you're redeemed. You're saved. You're born again. The Bible says we need to be born again. Why? Because it didn't take the first time. You were born in the flesh. You had to be reborn in the spirit. Are you, are you with me? That's good news this morning. That's why it gives you hope. And that's why it heals your life. That's why it healed my life. That's the healing power of God. God so agape Now the verse I, I I read to you says said this. It said constantly using your faith for to receive that deep love. Constantly using your faith. So it takes faith to stay in love. It takes faith to walk in love. It takes faith to express love. So here's what we've said. Let's 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 land this plane. Things happen and we get hurt. Hurt, if we don't watch it, grows a seed that turns into hatred, and hate murders. It's the thing God said, don't let that happen. But what will happen if there's a seed of love? If that seed starts growing. It turns into hope, and hope heals. That's that's we're shouting about this morning. But here, here, yeah, thank you. But here's my last point. Listen to this: faith fuels forgiveness, and forgiveness restores. Faith. You, you can't walk in love if you weren't loved. Faith fuels forgiveness, and forgiveness restores. Colossians says this, you're always, and you're always, and you're always, you know what always means? Always. And you're always and dearly loved by who? So rope yourself with all the virtues of God, since you've been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful As you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, show kindness toward everybody. Be gentle, be humble. Look at this. Be unoffendable. Look at the person next to you and say, now he's preaching to you. Be unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Look around. There's a bunch of weak people here. And here's what I mean by that. We have some weaknesses in our life. Forgive each other in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme, and it must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. When Jesus started talking about forgiveness, Peter said, right, right, we're we're supposed to forgive seven times, because we all can do that but you use that up by Monday. And Jesus said, no, nah, it's like seven times 70. So it's like, you have to carry the one, 490. It's not what he was saying. He was saying, you got to keep forgiving. And Peter said, oh man, you got to increase our faith for that. Because I might have enough faith to forgive a few things seven times. How about this? You and your spouse, you've been married for a while. Have you ever had to forgive them seven times? Right, that's year one. That's over, right? Year, but we're in year two, and it's more than seven times. So are you done forgiving? No, Jesus said, you got to keep forgiving. Especially if they're knucklehead, right? You got to keep forgiving. It's a, and you got to increase our what? Jesus taught this parable. And Jesus taught this parable. It was like this guy, and let's say he owed a million dollars, and he couldn't pay it. And so he owed a million dollars, he couldn't pay it. So what was gonna happen was him and his wife and his kids were gonna to have to be slaves and work for this guy to pay off a million dollars worth of debt and he started begging this guy and this, the Bible said he was moved with mercy and he canceled the debt, he erased it, wiped it off of his life. That's a picture of Jesus forgiving us. And so the guy goes away with a million dollar debt released from his life. Then he finds a guy who actually owes him $1,000 and the guy starts begging him, please forgive me could you release this debt, $1,000? He was forgiven a million, now someone owes him 1000 And the guy says, no, you owe me that money, has him thrown in prison. And obviously when witnesses saw that, they went, they told the person that had forgiven him the debt, and he was put, he was put in jail himself for that. Here, here's my point to that. God's forgiven us a million dollar debt. We have to get past the $1,000 debts, or it puts us in a prison, and the prison is torment. That's why faith, and are we men and women of faith? Yes, we are men and women of faith. People say, well, that's that faith church. Uh huh. That's right. We're a faith church, right? Well, what else? The Bible says faith's the key, right? To receive anything. So we're a faith church. Those are those word people. Yeah, that's what we are. I'll take that title. So let me talk about forgiveness. And if you've heard about forgiveness before, don't tune this out we can't hear about this enough. Let me just say a few things about forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness means this, I'm just going to release it to God. That's what forgiveness means. I release it to God. Because forgiveness is actually not for the offender, it's actually for me. Because if I don't get forgiveness out of me, I let torment reside in me, and it's like I'm being imprisoned. I wrote this down, this is good. Forgiveness is a gift received and should be a gift given. God gave you a gift of what? Forgiveness. He forgave you of a million dollar bet that you could never pay off. Let's not let these little thousand dollar offenses, thousand dollar situations, keep us in unforgiveness. Because the Bible says it'll affect the way you're forgiven. How about this one? Forgiven people should be forgiving people. Maybe you've just been saved long enough you forget the debt you had. Just let me remind you, you got it going on now, but you didn't once have it going on. You had no hope. You weren't saved. You weren't born again. You had no no real future that you could depend on. You were living by luck. You were living by a wish. You were hoping things were better. You had a lot of junk in you, and and, and you, you deserved punishment, but God erased it from your life. All the words, thoughts, actions, let's not forget that. If we are forgiven people, we should be forgiving people. I read this the other day. It says if you have a problem forgiving, you probably have a problem being forgiven. Somebody say, ouch. The danger of unforgiveness is it becomes the vehicle that gives the devil an access to our life. Even though you're a believer, we can give the enemy an access to our life. We can give him a doorway into our life. And one of the greatest ways that you and I do it is, guess what? Unforgiveness. Now, let's just think about what we've said this morning. I'm almost, I'm, 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 I'm almost in the home stretch. Just focus on the word almost. Is this good? Helping you? This is what God was saying a long time ago. Yeah, don't murder. But the principle is, you know what? If you allow things to stay as offense in our lives and hurt in our lives, It's going to fuel hatred, and you will murder with your words, with your actions, and with your thoughts. But if his love can invade, it's going to fuel hope in our lives, and hope will heal. It will heal the most broken person, the most sinful individual. But this faith thing, see, if you've been loved by God, you can use this faith thing because it's an act of grace received by faith. But the same way you use faith to be saved, to receive love, you use faith to what? Release love. Here's what faith does. It will fuel forgiveness. Because I know if God saved me, he can heal me. I know if God can provide, God can release. I know God can change this thing in me that's been staying here in me, that's held me back, that's hurt me all these years, that's put a cloud over my life. I've got to release it. I can only do it by faith. But I know when I do it by faith, and forgive. God restores my life. God restores other people's life. God heals, amen? If not, it becomes, it allows, the Bible uses the word torment. I just want you to hear this. There are people right now in hell being tormented. That word torment in hell is the same word that's used for torment in our lives when we don't forgive. It's the same, that's the same word. So God wants to restore. Now, it doesn't mean that what someone did was right, it doesn't mean that you might never ever, it doesn't really mean you might forget it. But the Bible says this, when someone is offended, we just need to stay out of offense. But but what if it gets in us? We have to release it to God. We have to release them from the judgment, we have to put it in God's hands, because it gets out of us. And then the Bible says this, here's how you know if, if you're really forgiving. I pray for him, and I speak a blessing. Say what, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is all good, like just release it, let it go. But then the Bible says, here's how you know you really have. That you can speak a blessing, you can pray for him. You know, a a few years ago, me me and Diane went through some stuff, and it was eating at me, it was some church stuff. And I was sitting at a, a conference in Ohio, and the pastor started talking about things he went through. And he said, Here, here's what you have to do. You've got to bless them and pray for him." I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I actually got, we got to meet with him, do some counseling with them. And he told us, you've you got to release it. and You've got to speak a blessing on them. He said, it's, it's what healed his situation. I'm like, all right. So when the thought came up of what happened, I, I'm just being honest with you. This is my reaction. God bless them. I just pray for him. God, I didn't, I couldn't hardly pray. God, God bless. Just bless them. All right, God, just bless them. Because it took faith. It took all the faith in the world. But the next day when I prayed, that God, just bless them. Just I pray for them, God. Just, just bless them. And a little more faith the next day. You know what? God? I pray that you bless them. Bless their family. just bless, just touch them, God. Just bless. You know what? A month later, it was like God, and you know what it did? The devil didn't want me blessing them. So all of a sudden, I wasn't thinking about it all the time, because I was speaking a blessing. It took some faith, because the first day God told me to do that, because I knew you forgive. I was like, I forgot. Okay, I'm forgiven. I'm the pastor. I forgive him. i never forget something my dad said to me one Sunday. He said, you're preaching angry. I'm like <laughs> I'm like, that's the anointing, Dad. That's the anointing. He says, you're preaching angry. I realized, like, someone did something to me, but now it was my issue, I had to get it out of me. And I kept speaking a blessing. I kept praying, now, if I can do that, you can do it too. And I know there's hurt and offense and things that happen, but, but what if we just turned it? It takes faith to do it, but you know what? It, it operates the word of God. Now, I'm not responsible for what happens to that person or how they receive or whatever that's them. but between me and God. Now, are you saying you've never remembered? No. It, there is nowhere in the Bible it says forgive and you'll forget. It doesn't say forgive and forget. It doesn't say that. I tell people all the time, it doesn't say it. It says forgive and forgive and forgive, forgive. That's why it takes faith. Now, let me let me give you an add-on. This is not in your notes. I came across this after the notes the other day. This is from marriage today and Jimmy Evans said, here's, here's how you forgive. Y'all ready for this? You, you could write this down or, or remember this, but these five real quick things and I'm done. He said, this is how we forgive, when we we release. Everybody say release. Says you have to release the guilty person from your judgment. Don't keep replaying the offense in your mind. Don't dwell on your hurt feelings or the pain. Just let God judge it, let it go. Next thing he said was decide. Forgiveness is a decision, make a decision that you're gonna love the person who offended you and then let your behavior reflect that decision. The next word he said was the word bless. <laughs> pray for the person. Jesus taught us, bless those who curse us, pray for those who mistreat us. Listen, some of people in your life, they're so easy to pray for, you love them. You know, I mean, God, just do the best for them. But what about the person that's hurt you the most? God bless them. The refusal to bless or pray for a person is positive proof that we're not forgiving them yet. Number four, the fourth thing he said was move on. Refuse to bring up the hurt in the future because when God forgives us, he removed it as far as the east is from the west. We might not be able to erase all the memories, but we can make a decision not to dwell on that offense. And then the word repeat. It's often a process. So repeat these steps as necessary. Keep going through these steps until you sense a genuine release of unforgiveness in your heart. Let's all stand to our feet. Aren't those good? So I would like to tell you that there's this magical feeling. I just let it go, let it go. It doesn't happen that way. But it says this, I love the words of Jesus so much. I love what God's done in my heart so much I love what God's doing in my future so much I don't have room for a trap now I want you to think about the word trap the word trap means someone has put something on your path someone has put something on your road to trip you up now this isn't a bad prophecy but I would, I would say that the devil probably has had some traps in your life and I would probably say he may have a few more lined up. And I would probably say, right before God does something amazing in your life, he starts throwing traps in your road. If you love the word of God so much, you'll avoid the traps. Now, now here's the deal. If I was in the military, just picture it. If I was in the military, and I was on a mission, and I knew there were landmines. how I many? if you know there's landmines, you're not like la-di-da-di-da-di-da. You're trained to watch for the landmines. Offense and hurt and hatred are landmines in our life. And like, here's our path, and they do this to us. The only thing that gets us back on our path is we gotta let those things go. We gotta forgive, we gotta release. Then we gotta pray, bless them. Keeps us out of the landmines. Keeps us out of the traps. Oh, don't about you, I don't like to be trapped. Can you live a trap free life? Well, if you love the Word of God enough, you can stay in peace on those things. But sometimes stuff gets in us. And you know when you're trying to worship and it's on your mind. <laughs> and you know when you're trying to do life and it's on your mind. And you know when you're alone and it's on your mind that we haven't gotten there yet. So instead of getting down and camping and reliving those thoughts, here's what we have to do God bless them. God, I release them. Just release them, God. I'll You know what the Bible says? Jesus actually predicted this. He said, you're going to be offended at me. And they got so offended one time, remember, they almost threw him over a cliff. Jesus. If they got offended at Jesus, they're going to get offended at you. And you're going to have opportunity to offend. Jesus. Actually, the Bible says, you're crazy if you think you won't have a chance to be offended. Aren't you glad God gave us those commands? I just want you to look, because what happens is he traps you and you never get to be who you are we're called to be, inside or outside. Let's close our eyes for a moment. Thanks for listening to the Life Point Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.